Welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 255, and I am Scott Jones. And I am Bill Bohr. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's good to be back. We were here, what, a week ago? We were here a week ago. Yeah. Okay. So this is, uh, we're, you know, back in the saddle again. Can I plug my sermon podcast? Yes. I think I just did. Did it get into iTunes? It is in iTunes now. So, and I've gone back and kind of cleaned up some of the initial episodes I dropped. But yes, there is... Uh, finally, again, after I don't think I've put up uh, sermons, new sermons for like five years or so. So uh, I have a podcast um, sermon, sermons I preach every Sunday morning at Crossroads Reformed Church in Feasterville Community Reformed Church. It's at Resident Exile Sermons. Nice. Yes. Thank you. I, uh, I'm going to have one up any day now. For stuff at Clover Hill, but I'm, I'm switching. Well, it. what is Clover Hill up? It's up already, right? Well, there's a bunch of website sermons on the website. I started, but like it, the way the website's formatted, you if you're not doing a separate blog post, it's it's kind of difficult to listen to a phone or something, and you can't get into iTunes that way. So I'm kind of converting it all over into like an iTunes friendly format. Yeah. By the way, this I do think the whole Clover. We have a mixed relationship here. We're a partnership when it comes to podcasting. We're friends. But we have a mixed relationship when it comes to the Cloverhill Reformed Church, because I am the supervisor. Right? Yeah, he's you're the supervisor. <laughs> you're the pulpit supervisor. Exactly. Person. So there we go. Yeah. So it's so uh, sometimes we might consult over it. Well, we go. Yeah. It's all now. I'm changing that website. That's uh, uh, no. That's yeah. all right. You can. Uh, you can. Uh, so that's funny. So we talked about the changing the website, and then it'll come up as an item of information. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's well, they people. changed the website. No, right? I know they did. But no, like, they actually worked on it. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. Let me give a free plug for Squarespace because I have not really used Squarespace much uh, and I would generally be skeptical about it for podcasting, I would think. And I was pleasantly surprised by the way that the thing worked. Like it it actually, their native podcasting feature on the back end of the website, if you're doing like a church website, you're doing a certain podcast, it's actually pretty, it looks to me at this point pretty functional. Yeah, I, I've actually, um, that's the one church has Squarespace and I helped build it. I'll be the first to confess that I haven't stayed up with it like I should, but fortunately I've got a uh, elder who's doing some stuff. But yeah, Squarespace I think is a, uh, um, you know, you know I, I think it's not a bad way to go in terms of... Yeah, if you're going to do one stuff, yeah, if it, I, I think for what it does, Wix is another one that does it. Like, uh, yeah, Wix and my, well, that's where yeah, Resident Exiles Wix, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a nice, uh, so there we go. Yeah. Not that you would turn to us first for these questions, but we, what we know, yeah, we'll yeah. tell you. Yeah, we'll tell you. Too is, um, I think there was a hearing this week at Congress. Did you hear there's somebody? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's great. Okay, so Cohen is a liar. You can't trust anything. Until until he says there was no collusion. He'd never been to Prague. Uh, he had never said, oh, well, then you can take everything he says to the bank. Like, if you, <laughs> like, so if you watch Fox News, it's the alternating between 
He has no credibility except for when he's doing exculpatory or exonerating comments with regard to Trump. Then he's 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 gold. And what we need is, you know, what we need is a cutout of Fitch so that every time we get accused of being anti-neo-anabaptist, we can put that we have a silent figure of Fitch beside us. That was probably the. uh, (laughs) Wait, did someone accuse us of that? No, I'm just joking. Uh, I was trying to do the parallel with Meadows. Uh. Having the African American, oh, the racist, yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, the racism, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's interesting because you, you know, like I actually thought that the stuff where Cohen actually said, you know, I'd never been to Prague or I never saw actual evidence of right. collusion, all that, so this or that, and I, you know, I, I thought that lent credibility to because what you know, he doesn't have incentive to lie. No, I, I agree. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, you know, the interesting thing is. That um, I, I, <laughs> it's it, it is an interesting lesson in kind of self knowledge and self redemption. So, or you know, it's not quite redemption yet. Or are trying to have a redemption story. It was interesting. I'm a good man. Well, there's a there's ample evidence that I wouldn't necessarily lead with that. I'm a good man that made bad choices. You seem to be consistently a a, a different. I don't know. I'm not prepared to judge one way or the other. But I would not lead with I'm a I'm a good man. How about I was a good consigliere. <laughs> Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall was my model. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Uh, thank you, Don. Uh, was it uh, Don Corio? Thank you. Uh, may you have a masculine child. <laughs> may you have a masculine grandchild. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was an interesting thing. I, I do Elijah Cummings. Uh, Great. Yeah. Job. Yeah. I mean, the kind of a moral voice, and even defending Meadows and something that was. Or he defended Meadows, you know, at least he spoke to him about him that he's a friend. And, you know, I think that was uh, that was something he didn't have to do. So interesting theater. Uh, we do not have a peace deal with Korea. That didn't that didn't work out. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have thoughts on that, but because on one level, some people fairly could say, well, I mean, nothing ventured, nothing gained, which I think you might. Said, but the problem is what what is ventured and lost is time. So there's so you spend like a year and a half in a kind of brinksmanship to bromance right. kind of cycle that actually where actual productive things could have been done. And and Kim Jong Un, I mean, I think it came away looking incredibly savvy. It, yeah, it, I no, mean, no. It, I'm, I think it goes back to the thing that that this stuff is really hard, and there was no real preparation done on the ground. I think talking is better than threatening each other. All right, so I'm all for talking, but uh, I think it's just one other example of kind of the amateur way um, this administration's approached, uh, you know, international diplomacy. Uh, but also, talking comes at like, I mean. With a pariah state like North Korea, talking does come at at a at a price, right? It should I mean, come. It should come at a right. Price. I mean, because there is a sort of legitimization. And when you say, "Who is the guy that got killed?" The uh, young student. Yeah, uh, oh, I forget yeah, his name. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of his name. But he says, "Well, he says he didn't know anything about it." Oh, I, mean, he's, yeah. <laughs> I would love to see Trump as a prosecutor. What's it? What's yeah. what's the defendant? That, the, the, the defendant said they had nothing to do with it. Well, I guess my case is gone. I mean, the, what the defendant says, they well, weren't there. I mean, and that, you know, with Putin, with the you know Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, that that you know he goes to that's that's tough. Is inexcusable, I think. Um, 
another thing that do you sh- think he even asked really do you swear cross your heart no. and hope to die <laughs> stick a needle in your eye like, like what do you think you have to, to get is to- that your equivalent to liar liar your pants <laughs> on fire yeah i just wonder what trump like what he what he puts the dictators through before he says hey they gave me the word <laughs> it, he, very pat putin very powerfully denied it yes yeah, that's pretty funny yeah you didn't really do it did you president putin you didn't really do it did you yeah, I don't know. That's that's all. That's the part that where, um, yeah, that does. I do think that does more harm. Than and, and I think like just little things like preparation, right? Where you, where <laughs> when you're saying like when you're saying that, well, I mean Putin. I mean North Korea could be an economic power. I mean, look, great you beaches. Got, you got China up there and South Korea below you. That ain't too bad. I mean, but you know, the thing is like. He doesn't want economic reform because that would mean he would squeeze him out. Like the degree, right. so he he would like a sort of fiefdom state. A, 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 he, like he wants people eating grass. He doesn't want. He wants to stay in power, right. which is why you would never give up nukes because you saw what happens to get that oh, people right, like Gaddafi right, right. when they disarm. I mean, like so you you want sanction relief, some international legitimacy, and you want to you know keep your nukes so that you can't be ousted, right? right? So it seems like he kind of ran the table on this one. Well, it does. And also, the nukes also help you with your um, that the dance you do with China, if you're North Korea. Because you, yeah, because yeah. You're, you're not just their you're not just their troublesome cousin there below you. You're a dangerous, troublesome cousin. So, And what happened to the whole thing with Socialism is bad. Whenever we'll be socialist, says, Vietnam's doing great. They're a powerhouse. <laughs> North Korea could be doing great. China. Yeah, they're also. I mean, this is a very strange. Well, a, strange of this three, China's the most capitalist. One of those three. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, 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 and then Maduro's the worst. Venezuela's the worst. That you did. But all the socialists, the thing, they're great. I mean, these people are great. And I mean, that's a that's a whole fascinating thing all by itself. I got comments coming up, but I don't have the overlay up. Let me get the overlay up. Here. Netanyahu, uh, I'm switching on, Net, not, Netanyahu's going to be charged, it looks like. It's comp- the Israeli system, judicial system, is complicated. But what's been in the works for a while looks like is actually going to happen. So that uh, Netanyahu is accused of kind of pay for play, uh, a number of other things. So uh, let's see. What do we have from Jeff Carter? This comes from Facebook. If you're listening for the first or second yeah. time, whatever, we also live stream this. So sometimes people put in comments from the Facebook live feed, and this says the Cohen hearing was such predictable political theater. Although a few people asked some solid questions and got revealing answers true, it also seems like Un has Trump right where he wants him. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. I think I think Kim Jong Un proved himself a pretty good student of Trump, and I think. He figured Trump's going to, and I think where he didn't, where he maybe overestimated or took a chance, he thought, look, Trump's going to want to sign something. I can get something if I shut down one thing. I mean, and ultimately there were probably enough people there with Trump that, you know, have their heads screwed on that said, no, we can't do that. Right, right. And Owen's defense, I think that's a good gamble. Like, you know, try try to pressure Trump with the air of success. I think that's a, not a bad strategy. Well, you know, it's interesting. The day after uh, it, the uh, um, the discussions ended, I was teaching my um, my preaching class, and my students are Korean. And I just asked, "Well, what did? How did you feel about this?" And they said they're disappointed because you know the the South Korean. If anyone, 
would ever get a peace prize if anything ever happened. You know, the, the president of South Korea should be one who's oh, yeah. in the middle of this. And uh, yeah, they say they just want things to be more normal. And they just want, they don't want that, you know, they want the war to officially be declared over, that there could be some some way that there could be normalcy. There may never be total normalcy, but uh, as long as the North Korean regime is the way it is. But they do want there to be progress made. That's what there's hope for. It's, and it's if a life and death issue for them. Yeah. And if you're in North Korea, I mean, God, and you can look over at this country that's like, what? I mean, what's got one of the top 10 economies yeah. in the world, South Korea. I mean, it's just, it's... Uh, but you don't get to look over. Be- Propaganda is, is... I mean, and they have better internets reliably than we... And Lindy flew through there a couple of years ago. She's like, they have free showers and spas in the, the airport. I mean, this is like... I mean, it, the contrast of, right. of of sort of the best of kind of uh, modern development kind of success story with the worst. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. I, I interviewed a woman early on in Give and Take. She wrote a, a great book called uh, Jason Michelli's Calling. Can't take the call, Jason. Sorry, but we love you. We're thinking of you. We're going to talk about Methodism in a few minutes. But uh, she wrote this novel called Everything Belongs to Us, which was sort of a her parents were emigres from South Korea when it was much when it was not democratic, you know, right. South Korea. And, and it's about this love story, this kind of love triangle of students in South Korea as they're trying to see this early democratic movement. And right. it's a really great novel. But I mean, because because you do think, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to forget how recently South Korea. It, in recent history, was an autocratic well, situation. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's been you know there's been a president assassinated in yeah. South Korea. There was one's gone to jail. So it's been a yeah, it's been a bumpy road. And uh, again, that's a whole other subject in terms of the kind of um, the, what the Cold War produced was a kind of totalitarianism um, that we supported. You know, it's kind of like the line was. There are good dictators and there are bad dictators. The good dictators are the ones who support us and who do not support the Soviets. Uh, now we live in a day and age where it looks like all dictators are good. According to- <laughs> yeah, oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Especially if you – I mean, you know, the Saudis played it right. Remember when he did that first visit and they put those big posters up? Big and posters. Oh, gosh. Although it's interesting, you know, there are big posters of Netanyahu and Trump together because there's an election, a pre-election going on in Israel. And I'm thinking, you know, with Netanyahu's charge, maybe they could be like prison pen pals. Well, did you hear what, what Netanyahu <laughs> said about the about the uh, about the investigation? It's I, it's it's a witch hunt. <laughs> oh no, yeah, he did use that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he's going to say it's fake news. It is fake news. The trouble is, he is a witch. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Among other it's things, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Trump. Uh, you know, he's going to say it's it's a disgrace the way that yeah, he's being treated. Yes, Donald, it's a witch hunt. <laughs> Donald, I in your, the word, in your words, it's a disgrace and a witch hunt. Well, we have the man to work on it, though the the son-in-law extraordinary. Oh, I mean, the phenom. Yeah, Jared Kushner. Who shouldn't have a clearance, security clearance, but does. So right. there's there's been some, we've learned a lot this week. We, yeah, we have. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month? 
or more. It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcasts, projects I've got in the works. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Andrew Stravitz, Barry Stewart, Ben Crosby, Ben DeHart, Carol Clemens, Charlotte Donlin, David Norling, David Zoll, Ellis Brazil, Jennifer Spite, Jennifer Underwood, Jim Cress, Joel Wentz, John Schneider, Jonathan Butran, Jordan Mossberger, Josh Redder, Kai Wittenpeg, Larry Rule, Liam O'Brien, Michael Butera, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Konauer, Sari Graham, Simone Garabedian, Stephen Rowe, and Jody Stevenson. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. But the thing that uh, we said we were going to talk about. We're going to talk about the United Methodist Church. Yeah, but maybe we're going to talk about the talk about the talk. Let's talk about the talk. Yeah, talk about the talk. This is the talk about the talk, like the talk. I watched, when I was in Indianapolis for a family funeral, I watched the talk with some of my family, and I'll tell you, was so entertaining to watch the talk. Like, oh, that's all. I think it's awful. There's <laughs> zero. I mean, they make they make uh, the view look like the School of Athens. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, I, I was like, wow. If I were if I were the view, I'd feel great right now. And I think Jay Joy Behar is like every time she speaks, like you know, they, they're like uh, every time. Uh, uh, the bell rings and the angel gets his wing. Every time she speaks, someone goes brain dead. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, watching the view to me is a little bit like you know, going to the dentist without Novocaine. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty rough. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So we were having a side, you know, um, I, again, I, I don't think it's ours necessarily to weigh in and tell the Methodists how they should or should not uh, live their lives. Uh, I never stopped you before. <laughs> Come on, man. Well, actually, I've got, we both have Methodist pedigree. Yeah, we both have been. Yeah, that's where that's where I heard first heard about Jesus was a little Methodist church in in um, Burlington, West Virginia, and um, that's where you kind of came to faith. Yeah, like, well, yeah, I came to faith because of a fundamentalist kids witness, but then I went. I kind of we were like non church going Methodists, and I was like, I started going to the youth group of the Methodist church because I, I mean, I went to the Bible Awana and all that stuff for a little while, and it's like I, I kind of just integrated into the Methodist system and uh it was good it was, it was good uh good rearing good youth group good kind of methodist church well my uh i have a great grandfather was a methodist revivalist preacher and the church we went to in west virginia was built by converts after one of his temp, uh temp the church meetings. formerly known as methodist well anyway yeah well we, it was methodist it wasn't quite united when we were in west virginia right because methodist it, it happened after united and then we the had, united brethren or, yeah 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 so any rate well one of the things and we actually you know full disclosure we are we are veterans of the sex These wars sex wars <laughs> yeah, we've spent time in yeah. other denominational contexts yeah another denomination the presbyterian church um and I guess we want to – you and I, were not necessarily talking specifically about the issue, but about how these things play out. I think that's what was most fascinating for yeah, you and I. Yeah, yeah. So let me just say this. Never bet on the uh, institutional ecclesial unifiers in these fights. No, no. <laughs> Never. No, I mean, you know, in Methodism – They're usually put – first of all, the ones who – 
want to have the live and let live uh, motions are usually put out by the people who don't think they have enough votes to yeah. get what they really want. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Although, don't you think there are people, like Will Wilmot seems like a person. I, well, you good. and I, I think you and I ended up there in a Presbyterian. I wanted to, you know, I was all for local option. Yeah, no, no, I think I think live and let live, especially on contested issues, I mean, can be a way forward. Uh, you know, I mean, no, the problem is... What can be a way to stay together while other things work out. I mean, what happens, though, in those discussions, I feel like almost inevitably, is conservatives view it as this is a stepping stone. This is as far as the left can get before they can bind our conscience. And then... Some on the on the further left are thinking, you know, justice delayed is justice denied. This is a kind sure. of so. I mean, there, there it, th- these kinds of options often don't quell the passions of those who are defenders of what they see as you know t- a traditional truth, or the passions of those who feel like this is a justice issue and at the heart of inclusion. I mean, well, and actually, both both of the, those positions you articulated are true. Because if you really believe it's an injustice and that that the that the gospel or the kingdom requires full inclusion, and that's if you believe in the kingdom, because not all—I mean, some of it's just a pure justice issue; it doesn't have anything to do with theology. But if you are a person theologically who believes that full inclusion is, you know, where the kingdom is moving was is the intent of the gospel, then to compromise is actually to compromise. Uh, I mean, it's like saying, okay... Compromise is the language of the devil. Well, it's like it's like Day of Pentecost. It's like saying, okay, on Pentecost, all right, everybody, every language is included except you guys. So it, it, it really goes to the very foundations of what Pentecost is about. However, the truth is the conservative, uh, which you, how you articulate the conservative, is, is absolutely true because my, you know, the observation I have is there's only tolerance as long as they have to be tolerant of positions that they don't agree with. So the fact is your conscience you know, will give you the conscience clause until we don't have to. Yeah, yeah, and I think that yeah, exactly. So and I think somebody posted in response to something Tier Hardy posted on Facebook. A guy posted, you know, look, as long as we keep using us versus them lang- language, this is not going to like if you view the people on the other side as bigots and you view the people on the other side as heretics, and undermining, you know, the truth that there's no where to go from there. Like, you know, and, and again, and I'm not saying like, so one of the things I think that where I've seen the conservatives kind of mischaracterized is, is they're saying, you know, what about this incompatible with, we're all incompatible with Christian teaching, right? Like, right. And I think that is true, right? But the difference is it's not an argument about original sin or depravity total in the Calvinist form or less than total in the Wesleyan form. (laughs) Although Wesley's view is pretty total. He did. He did say that his mother achieved Christian perfection. Right. But that's, but that's, that's post sanctification. Freud would have had a field day uh, with that statement. I just, well, Freud would have had a field day with Wesleyan's life, but I do, (laughs) but in all fairness, I mean, Wesley's doctrine of original sin is, is is really the same as Calvin it's and Luther? It's a kindler, gentler. Well, no, it's but it's what you have. What it's what yeah. sanctification. It's what yeah. it's what justification, sanctification yeah. can do. That's where they and differ. prevenient grace is. It yeah, exactly. yeah, there's, but, there's but still, of, but I think in terms of the classic Wesleyan definition of original sin, thinks we're as lost as everyone else is, except for the idea of of you know grace is resistible. So it doesn't totally. It's it's more. I, frankly, Wesley's more of a kind of a Catholic 
view of the will. It's kind of a corrective, I think, in that sense. All right, there we go. But, like I, but, but getting back to but you. So, so I think that if you're a conservative, right, and you're saying that. And that's defined. This, nowadays, we have to define Okay, that. if you're a conservative in the mainline. A traditionalist. Sexual, sexual, a traditionalist. Yeah. And you're saying, look, you know, we're not saying that any sinner is more or less worthy, but we're saying, like, nobody, if somebody's um, committing serial adulter- adultery, they generally are not going on the floor of the general assembly or the or the general conference and saying, well, you know, I think the swinging kind of thing is ought to be normalized. Or if somebody is, you know, has a gambling addiction, they usually don't say, hey, you know, so it, it's not... I'm a self-professed embezzler. <laughs> you're a self-professed and affirming. Yeah. I, I, right. You know, I'm a... I'm I'm a I'm I'm a confessed and affirming kind of thing, and so like for the conservatives, they're thinking, well, you're asking us to call something that the by a choice decision, and that most of those conservatives are not saying somebody couldn't be gay and be ordained. They're saying like they could be, or just like somebody who had a polyamorous orientation, if there's such a thing. I mean, I know there are polyamory communities, but polyamorous. so, so you could be polyamorous by orientation. Which is, a pro- is actually a problem with embracing the full... Right. I mean, these things get yeah, complicated. complicated. This gets yeah, very complicated. complicated. Right. Yeah. So, but, you know, I'm saying, like, and again, I'm not saying that, that you know, you, you couldn't say, well, that's just the wrong position. That's fine. But, like, but I don't think all the people th- that think that are bigoted. I mean, and a lot of people I know that are in these sexuality wars and are traditionalists, have gay friends they're not they're not creeped out you know by gays it's not a kind of you know like it, it's not a thing where they, it's they really think and many people I, I know would really that are in this traditionalist camp would really rather have the other view but they just can't get around the bible or the bible or 2000 plus years or 3000 years the bible through you know thousands of years of interpretive well one of the ways it's funny one of the way the ways i describe it when i vote when i used to vote with the traditionalist I always had a strong suspicion back in our denominational days. I had a strong suspicion that I might be wrong. Okay, now that my convictions have changed about this issue, I still have a strong suspicion that I might be wrong, only in the sense that um, how we approach sexuality is, is, is so influenced by the current social constructs. I mean, again, you can do, you can do the nuts and bolts. You can do, you know, you can do the biology, all that. But when it comes down to it, uh, Yes, the ancient world's view that you know sex was basically an idea of penetration of power and things like that—that um, was a social construct. I'm not so sure what we how I mean how we talk about it now. No, I'm not so sure. I am sure how we talk about it now. Uh, yeah, is a social yeah, construct yeah. as well. No, there's it, now yeah. that doesn't mean I think we're a little more we're, we are more informed biologically. The complexity of how one gets eroticized. We have a greater appreciation for that, which should influence our theology. I never want to hear you say eroticized on this podcast ever again. Well, how would you say it? <laughs> I don't know. I That's mean, a I, social psychology. Well, I, I, I just don't know that I'm comfortable you saying it, like with a, especially with a scarf around your neck. I, I don't know. <laughs> if you ask me to get on the couch and talk about my mother, I'm going to be freaked I, out. Which we have done. <laughs> <laughs> we have done but like, we have but I never was wearing a scarf. No, I mean, never. To, and I never once said eroticized. Eroticized. <laughs> That's a good technical term. It is for a great. It's a great. T- I'm not saying it's not a great. But technical but the whole term. P- the point being is that part of our problem is we're always suspicious of certainty unless we have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and we're then we're suspicious about our certainty afterwards. But and before we go to the certainty, I just want to do 
like a, a counterpoint on the on the folks that are you know impassioned, upset, frustrated, angry because of the way things went down. Right. In and what city did this go down in? St. Louis. St. Louis. You know what's great? I read. I read in one of the articles. They said, and quickly after the vote, uh, that they have to. Uh, they had to get all the delegates off the floor to set up for a monster truck rally. <laughs> that was my favorite thing. <laughs> I would have stayed for the monster truck rally. Uh, uh, so I want to say, like the people that are uh, somebody on Facebook, Jeffrey Carter from California, formerly of Frito Lay, and now who has the best theological study he has an I've amazing seen study. in yeah. social media. I dare anybody to show me a picture of something better. So I think that you know the the, the folks who were pushing for a change on the ordination right. and marriage standards are saying, "Look, we've moved on women. We've moved on slavery. We've moved." <laughs> which on was, so by many the way, things. which was, well, took us too long to move right, on exactly. slavery. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. And so these are things which you know are. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, if we're not explicitly bigoted, maybe we're implicitly bigoted well, on these things. I think we always are bigoted. Right. Yeah, so, right. yeah. So I think that that, you know, it, it I mean, the reason why some of these dis- debates seem intractable is because I think, you know, we look at our interlocutors uh, and we're rightly emotionally incensed or whatever, you know, right. in your debate like this. And then you're right. You're you're sure that you're on the side of the angels. And you know what? You for for certain because this is a debate about ultimate truth morality justice civil rights all these things for me you know you 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 often feel like you know you got to have certainty to have the emotional fortitude to get into it but i think you're right like if if you know, i remember i in seminary i was reading so much harawas and i was really convicted about pacifism for years and i just realized at one moment like i couldn't see someone as a fellow christian if they weren't a pacifist i i mean i, right. I, I mean, maybe i wouldn't have said that explicitly but it's just the lenses. And then that's where that kind of thing, that construct like fell apart for me because yeah. it, it, it just, it, I, and not that minority views can't be true. Right. And, and I, you know, but like, there's just like, I was just excommunicating probably implicitly or subconsciously it's such a massive part of the entire family tree that I thought that this is, you know, and so the, I mean, these, what you said about the holding things loosely, I mean, it, it's, and again, now if, if you do that, if you ever say that on the floor of one of these debates, well, you're just both right. sides will shoot at you, and that's why the moderates never win in many ways. And 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 but I, you know, and no no swag. You're just <laughs> never like there's no moderation well, well, bumper sticker. Well, yeah, right. Well, the, well <laughs> although I do remember one of my good friends, Adam Kessler, uh, and I, in dealing with the Israeli Palestinian issue, we always try to say we went we we're arguing for the radical fringe middle, you know, which in that issue is very similar. Yeah, you know, I remember standing, you know, you and I, we even, I don't know, was it the last podcast we talked about? Well, you know what, where I am on my passions right now? If somebody invited me to speak at the on the on the floor on the plenary floor of a mainline denomination, what I talk about what nuclear power? That's right. <laughs> Well, okay, maybe I talk about something else, tribalism. But I think I I would put in a strong plug for nuclear power. Yeah, you'd have to be. Well, they, but they would go for that. I mean, to really be passionate, you have to go what, save the planet, C, go to CPAC or whatever. What's who's meeting right now and talk about <laughs> you're all racist. Uh, that would be that would because they are, and we are too. But they just. I would love to go to CPAC with you. Oh my gosh! If I and you know we I got we would be driving and I put Bruce Coburn in with that scar. Right, we'd be playing if I had a rocket launcher. It would be awesome. Until we got arrested. All right. Until 
Well, I got arrested. You you paid me out. You, you yeah, me I out. would bail you out. But I think, you know, I remember standing Just line. like R. Kelly got bailed out by one of his fans. Uh, now, the podcast. Ooh, ooh. The podcast. Ooh. We'd have a fan bail you out, like R. Kelly. Ooh. <laughs> ooh. All right. R. Kelly's fan. Ooh. <laughs> Every time you mention it, I'm going to go, ooh. There, the, Lindy found this video where he's doing a concert. <laughs> Who's he? R. Kelly. Ooh. <laughs> and he's in Ethiopia and he's singing over and over. Did you get your shots? Do you have your passport? Do you want to come back with Rob to America? And he's singing that. And he would just, it was a chorus. Uh, he sang it for like four minutes. Uh, it was, it, yeah, I, th- I feel like if I was the prosecutor, I would just show that video and say, I rest my case. Oh my. You know, I remember standing. I up. do like, uh, Ignition remix though, and I'm not taking it off my my iTunes thing. I, I, it's there. I mean, I don't love that. I like it, but yeah. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm not judging about your music because uh, I'm not. You, you would judge me more for Billy Joel than I that. will judge. <laughs> yeah, I'm stay, I'm keeping Ryan Adams on mine so exactly. far. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little I'm troubled by it, but yeah. still like his music. No, but I think I remember standing in line with a friend of mine, and we we were on different positions on this issue. And I remember in the Presbyterian Church, they were going. There was this passion debate, and he and I, we felt we felt an obligation to speak for our positions, but we we weren't we didn't feel too we didn't feel we felt like we had an obligation to, but we weren't feeling too passionate. And we were standing in line and doing a running commentary on the different people because they'd alternate. So there was a person speaking on behalf of Gay or Nation. They started crying. And I go. Ugh. That's five points for you. <laughs> Cry. And then the next person up had a Scottish accent. I go, and he goes, oh, man, you yeah. just screwed us. There's 10 points for the Scottish, yeah. Scottish broke. But, I mean, we were, you know, and I eventually said to him, I go, Did you know that what? person wear white socks? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but we, <laughs> no names will be mentioned. I don't know if he's still alive or not. But at any rate, we, so finally my friend and I were in line. I go, you know, you and I are going to cancel each other's vote out. Let's just go get a drink. <laughs> Left the line. <laughs> That's got, great. Got a drink, but I, you know, but I do. You know what? I know people who have uh, been deeply wounded by the church's stand. Um, you know, I, I mean, I remember. You know, we were a kind of a church that were, you know, in the Presbyterian Church, we we were we really truly were in the middle because our congregation was equally divided politically and theologically. Um, most of those years, I voted with the traditionalist, uh, although our congregation had a lot of felt gay and lesbian folks felt welcome in our congregation. Um, matter of fact, I remember one of my high school kids, well, he, he came out after college and he sent me a letter and he said, you know, um, he said, you probably knew I was gay before I did, which I might have, maybe I did, I don't know. And then he said, I'm not a Christian anymore. And he had had been involved in some a pretty conservative thing outside of our church. And uh, he said, but if I ever become a Christian again, I'll become the kind of Christian we were at our church. Oh, I mean, that's beautiful. Well, but again, the thing about it was there was, but there was enough to make him feel like he couldn't be a Christian. And that, that made me sad. And I, I you know, I, again, for me as a pastor, I, you and I, well, maybe we've talked about this issue. Whatever your position is, you have to be able to argue if theologically biblically and pastorally. And by that, I mean, from a biblical perspective, you can't just, all right, all right, you can't just say Paul was a bigot, all right? You have to come up, you have to come up with a reason. And I actually think there, if you're a progressive, there are very faithful ways to re- read Romans 1 that 
doesn't defeat your position. Okay, I, I believe that. But you yeah, have- there's a book uh, Eugene Rogers wrote, "Sex and the Christian Body." Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. It's, it's and a he, great book. Yes, he's gay and an Anglican theologian. It was at EVA. I mean, I think, and, and I mean, it, his dissertation was on natural theology and and knowledge of God and Thomas Aquinas and Bart, and, and it was on Bart and Aquinas on Romans one. I mean, it, it's a it's a beautiful like whether or not. If you're a traditionalist, you'll find it a beautiful right, book. I right. mean, because the exegesis and, and and the deep knowledge of the tradition. But it's a, you know, yeah. I mean, there are, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not really interested in talking to anybody who doesn't take the Bible seriously. And, and to me, that includes. I, I, I am generally includes, just generally, but including traditionalists who don't thoughtfully engage with the text from a critical perspective. But having said that, do you mean you, Jerry Falwell? I have I I have I didn't have one Name person. Names. You just gave me names. <laughs> Name names. <laughs> I was trying to be neutral. I'm getting ready for Lent. I'm trying not to be any more judgmental than I am. But biblical, you have to be theological, which means you have to be informed by history and science and the contextual issues and the social constructs. But then you have to be pastoral as well. And you have to, I see, to me, the thing is, you know, demonizing a traditionalist can, can be of the same nature of the sin of marginalizing a gay and lesbian person. I mean, I think there's a sense where the dehumanizing mechanism is at work in both of those things. Now, again, you can argue a theological position that that by nature marginalize someone is problematic, and I would agree with that. But in your self-righteous rhetoric or your attempt to be to say that I'm more righteous than thou, you've actually undermined your your very your very argument. So, yeah, for me, I, I, to me, there's a sense where if you're a if you're a progressive or a traditionalist or someone trying to find a middle, you still have to be informed by all those things. And you have to be, I, you know, I remember someone one time said, you know, you, you know, your gospel isn't the real gospel if it can't be preached in a cancer ward or a refugee camp. And I still sing the same yeah. thing. You, if, if you're, you have to envision, if you're a traditionalist, you have to envision someone you love sitting across the desk from you or sitting in the room with you who your position is, is going to affect. And I, but I think the same, you thing have to imagine there. yourself if you enjoy, you know, things like karaoke, you should, you should go do it at the Raven lounge in new hope, which done a few times. It's the best karaoke I've ever been. To. Right. Right. And again, it's almost, I mean, <laughs> I think the pastoral dimension, I don't think theology can be done without, relationships and context. In other words, that's the very nature of the gospel. I mean, the incarnation is that the revelation of God doesn't take part, doesn't happen apart from concrete material reality. So you can't have a... Sometimes I wonder if Carl Henry had relationships or a context. He was just in an office. (laughs) Who was it? it? Metzger and Henry and who else were all together at Wheaton together? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very, you know... But normally... Where did Carl Henry come from? I don't know. I I was thinking of the most... One one dimensional figure. Carl McIntyre. I was thinking. Carl. No, he doesn't even have a. He doesn't even have a dimension. I was thinking of Carl. Yeah, I was thinking of <laughs> Carl Henry, but or uh, who would be a uh, uh, Bob Jones Senior? Yeah, yeah. There we go. There Bob be Jones Senior. I love a quote about C.S. Lewis. The man smokes, he drinks, but I think he might still be a Christian. I like that. <laughs> so we have a. Comment from our listener in Texas, right, Kathy Pepper? Yeah. Saying, don't be neutral, Bill. <laughs> What's it mean? Well, your sweater is very neutral. It's, uh... That's right. But um, one of the things that was interesting while this was going, you and I were both, I mean, we talked about pacifism. I think 
uh, I wanted to be a pacifist too. I went even went to a Mennonite church for a while, a real Anabaptist congregation, not a pretend not neo, not a pretend neo Anabaptist congregation. But two things um, kind of made me intellectually not be able to do that. One was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, just reading his own struggle, and the other was having a child. And I <laughs> and and my Anabaptist friends were saying, I said, well, what happens if someone comes in and attacks? Uh, and they go, will you pray? John Howard Yoder has a whole essay. Yeah, on this. No, it's I, pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty good. But I, I could not. Uh, yeah, I would. I would not. Uh, that would not be my first impulse. So, and it might not be the most. Uh, they might not be the first. It might not be the most responsible one. Uh, Kathy is messaging again from Facebook, saying we're trying to be neutral. Wow, Kathy's giving me a hard time. Well, you sometimes you need it. I yeah. don't give you a hard enough time on here. I kind of, you know. You do. You have. You, there are periods where you give I, me too hard of a I, time. I, I feel like I don't really give you that hard of a time. Well, I don't think you can. I don't. I, I don't. Do I give you a hard time? No, I don't. No, think. I mean, it's kind of the nature occasionally, of the... occasionally. But I mean, you're like a yeah. We have a different kind of um, you know effervescence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have a collective effervescence, but we have a right. Periodically, you know, the hard times build up, and then we don't talk to each exactly, other for a couple yeah, of days. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's it works rare, out. But... Okay. Well, what I, what was I? Be, I can't. Was it? Oh, I was talking about the three different ways. If you you can kind of have yeah. a middle way. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I mean, yeah, and maybe we'll do more. We could do follow up episodes where we try to lay out. I guess one of the things we just were. I mean, I think in these kind of complicated and contentious, and there's never been a clean church fight. So, you, you mean, the church fights are always brutal, historically or whatever. But I, I don't know, sometimes we can we can forget the complexities of everyone's position in these yeah. things. Yeah. And, if, and we, we, both have, we, we both have experienced our own ambiguity. And once somebody is not ambiguous, they're not a human. Like, this is the, the kind of Hegel thing, right? If, if there's no contradiction, if, if someone is not allowed to be a walking contradiction, they're not allowed to be a walking human. Yeah, you know, I think the other thing too is I think really the the coherent Christian thing to do with all with all the fact of our of the ambiguity of life and our inability to really know God in any kind of you know, you know, we, you know we're, it's by faith, it's not you know, it's not by certainty that a live and let live or at least room for everybody to have their own convictions would be the right way to go. But history, like you said earlier, shows that that only is as soon as someone gets enough power to have their way to impose their way. Historically, that's what happens in the church. Yep. Yeah. And that there is your argument to reinforce. You sound, like, you sound like Brother Fitch, though, a little bit, which is nice. I mean, you sound like well, the you best. Have, you sound like the best side of Fitch. Right what now. did you when we were talking about this uh, just on the phone? We we both thought we might agree with Fitch, Fitch yeah, yeah, we, we on this Fitch, issue. Fitch, we 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 might be echoing you right now, brother Fitch. That might be that alone is a reason just to stop this podcast. Yeah, of <laughs> Everybody have a great weekend. Have a great Friday. Yeah, take care. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation, and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless. <laughs>